Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome in. Hour two of the Lombardi Line on a Thursday. This show, as always, presented by BetMGM. No Michael Lombardi today, but fortunate to have our guy JVT, Jonathan Bontobel, on the desk. Stormy Bonantoni with you as well, live from Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. We'll have great friend of the show, Mike Somich, in his usual Thursday spot coming up in about 15 minutes. He's got some Major League Baseball plays today as well as some World Cup action. Speaking of which, I was still the, – the whole country is reeling after the draw yesterday in women's soccer. I mean, I think that they played better than the result indicated. They had a bunch of scoring opportunities. They had a goal that was called off, right, because of yeah. offside, so – I think that maybe we don't want to freak out too much, but you pair that with like a less than enthusiastic three nil win over Vietnam. And I guess people are, I was making fun of Femi the other day. Cause I was like, I don't know. You were such a big, <laughs> you know, us women's soccer. Femi's into everything. I love right. it. Cause he was very much like, this is dangerous, but uh, what's it called? He might be right. Might be right. Playing the, with their food. The scoring chances were like 14 to three or something. And the Netherlands scored on their lone actual shot on goal. So yeah. hopefully, you know, U.S. will get it together and get some some goals moving forward. Um, let's get to the NFL, though, from football to football. And the, there's some big quotes that have been making the rounds of Denver Broncos new head coach Sean Payton in an interview with Jarrett Bell of USA Today um, pulling some punches a little bit on last year. And the coaching staff said it might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. And he said it's not something that is can be said just on one person. There's, quote, 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, yada, 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 so much. And, I mean, of course, a lot of that dating back to Russell Wilson having an office, having his own personal coach in the building. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things. And then the way that things transpired on the field, not having success. But I'm surprised for a coach that's been in the game as long as he has to be this um, frank I guess is the right word to put it. You're surprised that a coach that was um, leading a team that may have been, I don't know, in the midst of a bounty <laughs> scandal a few years back. It was That's a little in bit, the past. A little, but he, you're surprised he's a little rough around the edges, huh? I'm surprised he's so open about being rough around the edges. No, I, I mean, look, he's uh, saying what we all kind of thought, right? And and look, he, this isn't the first time. Remember, 
when he first I don't think came, anybody's disagreeing with what he said. No. It's just the fact that it's coming straight from the horse's mouth. Sure, but I think we also forget, like, remember when he first got signed on, one of the first things that was brought up about like the about the whole thing was Russell Wilson's office. And he was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Mm. So like, he's he's been an outright guy, and I think it makes sense. Like, this is, this is a team that has a ton of potential, a ton of potential. But you have to reach that yeah. potential. And if you're part of an ecosystem that just lets things go, you know, it, it, like, you know, you kind of want want to run a tight ship when there's potential. It's why I scream at Elliot in every commercial break. I know that he has potential. That's why you have to berate him. You know what I mean? It's the same thing here. You have to run a tight ship with an iron fist, Elliot's and that's what Sean Payton's going to do. <laughs> oh, dude, the weekend shows is crazy. I think, Elliot, what'd you go home crying, like three or four times? Well, just like <laughs> I am a believer in our guy, Elliot Bowman. So am I. Uh, Sean so am I. Payton is a believer in Russell Wilson, said that it wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. Said this BS that he hit a wall. Shoot, they couldn't even get a play in. They were 29th in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. But for me, when it came to Russell Wilson, I swear I was just like, you know, in Space Jam, when the Monstars, the original with okay. Michael Jordan, when the Monstars the take all the superpowers from Patrick Ewing and Muggsy mm-hmm. Bogues and Charles Barkley and all those guys. That's what I felt like happened to Russell Wilson last year. Like all of his powers just got sucked out of him but maybe they can flood back into the basketball like they did at the end of Space Jam. Tale as old as time. Sure. Um, we'll see. I would agree. I mean, not the, like, not the analogy, but if you go, <laughs> like, there were stretches of play, especially as the season That's went right. along, that he actually played pretty well. Um, so I think, like, when you look at it from the standpoint of, can he be better? Yes. Is he going to be 2020 Russell Wilson or 2019 Russell Wilson, where he was incredible, right? 71 touchdown passes over those two years combined? Eh, maybe not. But can he be an above-average quarterback that is then going to raise the floor of a team that has a lot of potential, especially on defense, just needs adequate offensive play to be one of the better ones in the NFL? I think absolutely. So, you know, I've got to take it on them to make the playoffs. Like, I think the turnaround can be real. Am I expecting them to win the Super Bowl? No. But do I think that they can be one of the top seven seeds in the AFC where, you know, I think I've talked about this before, teams like six through whatever, 13, throw them in a hat and pull them out. They're all kind of the same. I would say absolutely. Broncos country, let's ride. Win total sitting at eight and a half. Let's segue this conversation then into a little better's choice. Would you rather, if you will, on some season-long props going into this season? And we're going to start with, would you rather Sean Payton to win coach of the year at 11 to 1 or place an 11 to 1 ticket on Jalen Hurts for MVP? What would you rather do? I would take Sean Payton. Yeah, me too, I think. I also think that when you're looking at like the coach of the year market overall, I think it might be a little mispriced. And as somebody who is already kind of invested in the Broncos' success, right? Like I think they can make the playoffs. Thus, I think that that would mean that it's a higher probability that Sean Payton can win coach of the year. Uh, but like when you talk about, I think there's, I think the wrong guy's favorite. Like I don't know if Dan Campbell and the Lions are going to be that good. Thus, I don't know if he's going to be a contention hype, there. Right. And I'm actually kind of surprised Peyton is as low as he is. In other spots, he's 9-1 to one to win this award. Or I guess as high is the way yeah. you should phrase it. Um, because I didn't know that there was going to be this much belief in a Broncos team that is near 2-1 to one to make the playoffs. So uh, I, I would rather go that route. This is not like an anti-Jalen Hurts thing. I just think when you look around, there's going to be so many good MVP candidates. But for Coach of the Year, as a team who I already think can have success, I, I think he's going to be up. Yeah, and I also think Jalen Hurts was so good last year, and he came in second in the MVP voting, that it's almost just it's hard for me to believe that he's going to get even better than mm-hmm. he was last year. So that's kind of where my thought process comes. A little um, fun fact information for you when it comes to the Coach of the Year award. First-year head coaches have ha- had an edge as of late. Four of the last six winners were first-year head coaches. 
I mentioned that win total being eight and a half, 10 wins is usually a good threshold for coach of the year. Daybold last year just had nine, but that was the fewest since Jimmy Johnson did it in 1990. And they coach of the year winners teams improve typically by five and a half or more games from one year to the next. And Broncos off of a five win season, that would make sense to get you to 10 Plus, if they were able to do that, the Broncos have not gone over their season win total since 2015 when they won that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. So we'll see if this is the year they can turn things around with Sean Payton as their quarterback. Let's hit a couple more of these betters choices. Packers to make the playoffs or the Jets to miss the playoffs. The Packers are plus 165. The Jets not too far off. Still a plus money price, plus 115. Uh, Packers to make the playoffs. I, I, I agree. They, it, I think that division is so much more wide open. Like, again, we, it ties into the Campbell thing. I think the market might be overvaluing the Lions just a little bit. We'll see, especially when it comes to them defensively. I don't know how good they're going to be. And, I, again, I will put this out front. I readily admit it is based off a very short sample size because we have not seen a lot from Jordan Love. But what if Jordan Love, who came in in relief on that Sunday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles, like that's who he is. He's got a good wide receiving core around him. I think it's an offense that brings up the floor of any quarterback in a division that I think is really open. Like the, just the the bar to cross over, right, to get into the playoffs for the uh, the Green Bay Packers. You have just so many, so many different avenues there. And while I do think the Jets to miss the playoffs is something that could definitely happen, I think it's more it's more realistic that the Packers can make the playoffs and that number would indicate I think there is legitimate value in, in that number. Plus, you know, he's really heeding the words of an Aaron Rodgers who reached out to him this past week and said, be yourself, have fun, enjoy it. It's your time now. Do you think he texted him or do you think, I think like, it's a text? I, 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 uh, maybe I like to think Aaron. He's, he's a, he could be a phone call guy. I like to think that Rodgers told his agent to tell Jordan Love's agent to all that kind of stuff. Like he didn't actually reach well, out directly. He's not in his California home, so he didn't have to FaceTime. You know, he could do all right. That was the whole thing, different. right? No signal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, both plus one thirty bets. Would you rather Bills to win the AFC East or Lions to win the NFC North? I think I already know your answer based on uh, everything you've said about the Lions in the last five minutes. Well, I don't really want either of these to be quite honest with <laughs> That's you. That's what it's, I wrote. I yep. put uh, neither. <laughs> yeah. Again, like the Bills are going to be good. I just think there's some signs that there's going to be some regression coming, and I don't think. Also, I'll put it this way. Of the teams where they're priced by the market, which do I think is the more overrated team by the betting market? I would say it's the Lions. So by default, give me the Bills to win the AFC. See, and then I am a, a little bit opposite you because I would say if you force my hand, I would probably take the Lions. I don't sure. like the bet, but that's probably where I would go. Um, their schedule is just so much easier when you look at it, with the exception of mm-hmm. Thursday night football at Kansas City to open up the season. That'll be a I mean, toughie, but I think looking you, at their schedule, I think they can be okay. I think if you really look at the Lions' schedule, like from the jump, it's not even just that opening game. I, yeah, I a, think there's that... A, there's a handful. Yes. But generally speaking, easier than the Bills' yes. schedule, and they should be able to handle it if their defense can just play decent enough. Let's go to um, one of the worst teams in the league and one of the best. Would you rather... Bet the Cardinals over four and a half at even money or the Chiefs under 11 and a half wins at plus 110. I think I'd rather go Chiefs under. I, oh my so, gosh, I'm the opposite. Okay, go. Uh, so, well, because I, so I think the Broncos are a playoff team. I think they're going to be better. Um, if, if you're telling me that Kellen Moore is going to have Justin, or do you see me, uh, Herbert? I was going to say Fields. Uh, if he's going to have Herbert throwing the ball more than three yards downfield, right, like he was last year, if this is going to become more of an aggressive passing attack, I think the Chargers can be legitimately good this year and potentially win that division. And so I, I think all of those things would factor into I'd rather go under on 11 and a half because I think the two teams in their division rise up a little bit. That would bring the Chiefs down a bit. And the AFC as a whole is freaking crazy. 
um, with all the teams that are there, at least at the top, especially the team that's pretty good in Cincinnati. So I think I would say under 11 and a half. Yeah, but I've thought about that the last handful of years. Yet 2018, 12 wins. 2019, Amen. 12 wins. 2020, 14 wins. 2021, 12 wins. 2022, oh no, you lost Tyreek Hill. You're going to be bad. 14 wins, Mahomes MVP, Super Bowl win. They just keep doing it. So that one I trust more. Uh, that one I trust less going under 11 and a half. Whereas I feel like as an NFL team, you can accidentally win five wins, have five wins in the schedule sure. sometimes, you know? So I'm, I would rather, I, I'm not betting either of these things, but I would prefer the Cardinals over four and a half wins. And that's for somebody who cannot stay on this Cardinals team and legitimately thinks they could be one of the worst in the NFL. And my favorite bet last year was them to miss the playoffs. And it was the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, and I would say really quickly, generally with win totals, the extremes are a little too high and low, right? And that's what True. we're talking about here. So you'd rather kind of go against those. Yeah, exactly. I thought yep. Seattle was going to be the worst team in the NFL last year. Look how that thing turned out. It's okay. We're on the up and up this season. We got to take a quick break. Our guy, Mike Somich, professional handicapper, is going to join us coming up next. You won't want to miss it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing because one way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. This is the Lombardi Line on a Thursday. Well, welcome into the show now. Mike Somich, professional handicapper at Samabom18 on Twitter and Buddy, I got to give you credit where credit is due because last week you came on the program and were telling us, hey, these early World Cup unders, definitely worth a look. It's, what is it, 18 and five now to the under so far? Well done. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, just printing money there, especially in the first half. The first half's been even stronger on that side. And, and we see this a lot in these games where you're just going to have a little bit tighter of play early in the games. You don't want to fall behind, especially in game one of these group stages. Now we get into game two in these group stages. I still would tend to lean toward the under. However, Vegas has definitely started to catch up. You've seen a lot of these totals shrink down from a two and a half or three down to 
two and a half, two, and or in the first half, you're seeing a lot of the half goal one totals now, which means you kind of have to adjust how you're going to play them. To me, playing the draw in the first half is now the way to do it. Just try and shoot for that zero, zero total and see if you can, or zero, zero score and see if you can get plus money on it. Is there any point where you start to look over or would that have to be like a really extreme adjustment? I think you start looking over in the third game. Once you get through the first two games, and, and you could look over in some of the second, depending on how the standings are in the group, but that third game, you start to see teams forced to look at goal differential, forced to say, okay, I need to win to advance. And when you have more of that open style of play, that's when you're going to get those goals. You see a lot tighter play early in these group stage games, and then it opens up in that third game. So if Vegas still doesn't keeps it low totals heading into the third game of the group stage, I think that's where you kind of pivot and look towards some of these overs. But until then, I think the under is still the play. When it comes to um, the World Cup action that's coming up, anything that you are are looking at in these soon-to-come games? We got one game today, 5 o'clock Pacific start time. Uh, Argentina taking on South Africa. Both of them lost in game one. Both of them played to 0-0 ties in the first half in game one. Argentina lost on a late goal to Italy. Uh, South Africa lost 2-1 to one to Sweden. All three of those goals came in that second half. To me, this is another first half under here because with both teams needing to win, you're going to see a very cautious style of play early in this game. I think 0-0 is by far your most likely score mm -hmm. in the first half. You can get draw minus 110 for that first half. So I like that bet. If you want to be a little more conservative, you can play under a half goal one. So you, half your money ends up on under a half goal. Half your money ends up on under one. That's minus 116. So you're laying a little bit more juice there. I like the draw in the first half more. But if you want to play the under in the first half, I don't hate that either. I'm not going to touch the full game because, again, if one of if this goes to, to half at 1-0, you're going to see an open second half because the team down 1-0 cannot lose their first two games in the group stage and advance. So they're forced to press that play. And when you do that, that leads to offensive opportunities. All right, let's transition to baseball. Uh, it is a short slate, but it is still a slate. And we do have a uh, matchup in the NL Central coming up later tonight. Chicago Cubs, Cardinals, uh, that is a 4.45 p.m. Pacific time start. Justin Steele gets the start on the road here against the Cardinals. And Michaelis, what do you make of, of this matchup? What are you betting? You know, I'm going to take the Cubs here. I, I love Justin Steele. Really interesting pitcher to watch. If you've not gotten the chance to watch Justin Steele, tune into one of his games. One of the few pitchers in the majors who only has a two-pitch arsenal. So he's only throwing two pitches the entire game. It's A or B, and the hitter's got to try and figure out how to hit him. He still doesn't walk anyone. He doesn't strike out as many as you'd like, but his walk rate is very low. He's got a low whip, and he's handled the Cardinals too. He's beaten them twice this year already. I'm surprised that you're getting minus or plus 105 right now in the Cubs' first five. I'm not a huge fan of Mikolas. I'm going to go with the Cubs' first five plus 105 here. And Justin Steele right now sitting at 18 to one to win the Cy Young. There are there are worst bets out there on the board. If you look at the Cy Young winners right now, there's only three pitchers in the NL that have a sub three ERA. Only two pitchers since, or I'm sorry, three pitchers since 2000 have won the Cy Young with an over three ERA. Justin Steele, one of those three guys sitting under three right now and sitting on the board at 18 to one. So I've, I've brought up Steele as a candidate to bet. The rebuttal to me was his team's not going to be good enough. They're not going to make it into the postseason. How much does team success actually play into this? Because I think it's a pitcher's award, right, Mike? Like if, if he's the best pitcher, he's the best pitcher. How much does team success play into it? And how much would that hold them back, you think? The, the team success and the strikeouts to me are the two big issues right now. Yeah. You've got gallon strider and you've got, um, uh, can't remember the guy in San Diego right now, but the three of them are Snell. the three favorites here. Snell. There you go. Thank you very much. And, and you can poke holes 
real fast in all three of those, right? Strider sitting there with a 3.73 ERA. Highest ERA to win the Cy Young since 2000 is uh, Clemens, uh, Clemens, who won it with a 20-3 and record, and that was a 3.51 ERA. No one has ever, I'm sorry, only one pitcher has ever won the Cy Young with a losing record. That was Eric Gagne. He was a closer, and he was 2-3 and three that year. Right now, Snell's sitting there at 7-8. and eight. I'm not a huge Zach Gallion fan long-term, so if you can poke holes in all three of those, I'm not sure that the team success becomes as big of an issue here uh, for Justin Steele, especially sitting at the 25 to one price right now at DraftKings. To me, if you're going to take a shot here, I would rather take a shot at someone who's not in the top three and look further down the list. And Steele to me makes the most sense there. Corbin Burns, I think, is another one that is starting to heat up. He makes some sense as well. But this is a wide open market. I'm not really willing to take anyone at three to one or less. Talking MLB on the Lombardi line with professional handicapper Mike Somich, who joins us live from his office in Los Angeles. And you have another play in the other late game coming up tonight in Chicago. Pick'em game with the White Sox and Guardians. You're actually going against Dylan Cease on the hill today. Why? Look, the White Sox are starting to unload the boat, right? They're trading everyone away. We saw Giolito go to the Angels. Uh, I was kind of surprised the Angels decided not to sell, but they are clearly buyers. They picked up Giolito. It's a White Sox team that's just been disappointing all year. The clubhouse hasn't been good, and now you know that players are going to be on the move. When you get situations like that, to me, I'm going to take the better team, and I think the Guardians are the better team here in this spot. Right now, you're just laying 105. Yes, Cease is on the mound. Yes, he's pitched well. But this is just going to be an uninspired White Sox team for a little bit, especially heading up to the trade deadline because they don't know who's going to be there in four days. So I'm going to take advantage of that here. I'm going to take a shot with the Guardians, and I'll lay that 105. All right, let's go to Mets Nationals. Uh, first five total here, you get Josiah Gray versus Kodai Senga, two guys who have been pitching pretty well, particularly Senga. Yeah, Senga's been phenomenal. Uh, he had over four ERA the first month of the season. The last three, he's just, just below three ERA. And we talked about how hard that's been in the NL, only three pitchers there. I don't, I like this Mets team when Senga's on the mound, but I don't like the Mets bats. They have struggled to hit the ball consistently. And Josiah Gray, one of the the key pieces in the Juan Soto trade when he came over from San Diego to me, he's one of those guys that you want to bet when he's on the mound. I don't trust the nationals because Senga's on the mound. However, I do like the under first five here. You can get it at four and a half four five, depending on where you shop. So make sure you take a look there. Total for the game is sitting at nine. I would lean toward the under for the game as well. I just don't love betting unders and games because if you go to extra innings, and it's three, three, all of a sudden you get in a whole lot of trouble with a nine total. So I'll play under first five here, uh, four and a half is the most readily available number in the, the nationals in the Mets game. Mike, you sound a little tongue in cheek when you mentioned the angels deciding to be buyers here at the deadline. What did you think of the decision to stay on Shohei Otani, show him that they wanted to keep at it this season and potentially beyond? I think it's really short-sighted. Uh, look, Maybe the Angels make the playoffs. Maybe they're able to do it. But even if they are, I'm not sure how much noise they're going to be able to make once they get there. They've got two very good players, but there's a lot of holes inside that lineup. And when you look forward and you look at the probability of Shohei Otani staying in, staying on the Angels team next year, I, what, 15 20%? Somewhere in that range? I, to me, you have to take this opportunity to build your franchise for the next five to 10 years when you have this type of player who is most likely going to walk, you just, you can't get nothing for a guy who is this good when your upside is the first or second round of the playoffs. This isn't a world series winning team. You're not going to win a title no matter. Well, maybe if you go crazy and you're able to pick up three or four pitchers, you get another bat in the lineup, we can start talking, but they don't have the capital to be able to get that type of upgrade at the deadline here. 
uh, to me, it's just really short-sighted. You, you have these massive hauls that were available, specifically from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And to not go after one of those and to not reshape your franchise and set yourself up for the next decade is wildly short-sighted for maybe a first-round playoff run. I think Stormy's looking at me because I'm an Angels fan, Samish. So yes, she's I, need, I needed a reaction. Uh, I think that my rebuttal would be if you have a 20% chance to retain the best player in baseball, you take the 20% chance, right? Like at the risk that you're not going to have him, that's fine. But look, they retained Mike Trout, right? Trout, so for some reason, stuck around when he was at the peak of his powers. I think there's still a chance that they keep him. If there's just the smallest chance, why not try to show him that you're willing to build around him and continue to you know, risk assets at the thought of being the best team that you possibly can be. And I think that's what they're thinking. Well, I hope it works out for Menu as, as an Angels fan, because I like the idea of teams going for it. Yep. To me, it's just all the, all the noise is that he's gone. And, and if, if I think I'm going to lose someone like that, the asset is so valuable that I don't want to lose it for nothing. And, and to me, that's where you really have to make that decision. And this Angels management, they should know better than I do whether or not they think they can re-sign Shohei Otanity. And I would say if, if you are an Angels fan, this is a good sign because – the idea is hopefully that they believe they really can resign him. But from someone outside looking in to me, this is going to be a mistake because if you do not sign him in the summer, this is a massive failure from that organization. Mike, great conversation as always. And good luck with your bets today. Thank you very much. Enjoy the weekend guys. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You too. And that Maui glow has still stuck with you. The tan is nice. What I would give. Um, also make sure you check him out on Twitter at Sama bomb 18 and an excellent horse racing handicapper as well. Racingdudes.com. Mike does excellent work over there. You hear that music. That means we got to step aside real quickly, but we'll be back for the last half hour talking all things college football. What's going on with Colorado? Deion Sanders' team headed to the Big 12, it appears. Who could contend for a national title and Heisman as well? Don't go anywhere. This is the Lombardi Line on VCND Sports Betting Network. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. You'll get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You also get unlimited access to the vsin.com slash picks page where you can sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check out the top VSIN experts leaderboard where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI as well. See which VSIN expert has the hot hand. For VSIN Pro Picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now, just $19 at vsin.com slash subscribe. The Big 12 presidents have voted unanimously to accept Colorado as a member. Today, the Buffs will formally apply for membership to the Big 12. Board of Regents holding a special meeting to complete the action. So we have that as conference realignment continues to go crazy. We have the... Uh, Jim Harbaugh news at Michigan that he's likely to be suspended for the first four games of the season, although they're against extremely easy teams. So I was going to say, yeah, really, they're really going to be up against They're really against punishing them. <laughs> but uh, a lot more college football news that was incredible, that was relatively critical to the landscape of college football than I expected. Uh, yeah, and over the last and, 48 hours. And there's now, now all of a sudden rumblings and rumors uh, generated from message boards out there in Florida. Uh, that Florida State might be asking out of the ACC. Uh, so we'll and see. And that if there's that comes culture forward. issues in Minnesota. So sure. you see that with PJ Fleck. Yep. It's a lot that's come out this week. Yep. Uh, so, yes, there's a lot going on. College football is almost here. Uh, I would say, big picture, non betting stuff. I don't think Colorado, uh, hopefully, Pritch isn't listening. Uh, I don't think Colorado is not that big of a, it's not that big of a loss for the Pac 12. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's never going to exist. 
the, the losses are USC and UCLA. Colorado is not a like a loss that is on par uh, with those two programs. And if you were to replace them with a, I don't know, San Diego State uh, or maybe some others, then maybe that's going to be something that will pretty much be a loss that you can negate. Uh, and I know a lot of people think that hey, it's Dion. Like Dion hasn't done squat yet. Like let's wait to see what that's going to be before you act like that's some massive yeah. loss as well. So uh, I would say on the surface, it does look goofy when your commissioner of the week before is like, not worried. Everything's fine. And then you lose a program, but it's not the loss that, you know, Oregon or Washington yeah. would be for them. Six days ago at Pac-12 Media Day, um, when asked about possible defectors in the Pac-12, Commissioner George Klyovkov, quote, it's not a concern. Oregon Athletic Director Rob Mullins also asked that I'm not le- losing any sleep over that. So either um, they really were caught off guard again or they're truly not concerned about Colorado mm-hmm. leaving. So that's kind of the give and take there. But I wonder now... How many teams are just recruiting against the Pac-12 at this point and, and winning? Because they you have three teams that at least historically have big brands mm-hmm. in USC, UCLA, and now Colorado out the door. Um, and potentially you hear the rumors that there's another surprising team that's been in talks with Big 12 as well. A couple of teams that would make sense as welcome newcomers to the Big Ten, even maybe down the line. Is this the end of the beginning of the end when it comes to the Pac-12? Or do you think that, like you said, with San Diego State or other teams like that on the West Coast that could rebuild the Pac-12 since it's a century plus old conference? Yeah, no, I don't I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to devolve. I know that's like the fun thing to talk about now, but San Diego State is probably going to be there. They can't leave for two years or they're going to pay the thirty four million dollars. So they're not going to leave anytime soon. Um, so San Diego State's going to be an option. I know people would laugh, but they have an NFL stadium and practice facilities and whatnot. UNLV is going to be an option to join the Pac-12 as well, uh, among some of these other programs, you know, Fresno State potentially too. So those are going to be ones you're talking about, and others are not listing off. So I think they're going to be fine, as long as you can keep it at the top, right, in terms of Oregon and Washington and, you know, sweetening a deal and allowing them to make as much money as possible, these new TV rights and everything like that. I think the conference is going to be fine in terms of its life. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if let's say, for example, uh, the rumors are true that Florida State wants to dip for the SEC, you know, they, then these two strong conferences are going to become crazy strong. And then, of course, then Clemson's going to look around and go, OK, well, if Florida State's gone. Do I want to stick around here? Do you join any other the Big Ten or the uh, mm-hmm. the SEC? So I think that's a real question. Does it become a little bit more geared to like a group of five type conference? Maybe. But I think overall, the Pac-12 is going to stick around. I certainly hope so. I love Pac-12 as somebody that. Born and raised here in Las Vegas, lived in San Diego for a time. Like, I love West Coast football, Mm -hmm. and it's really disappointing, I think, to see a conference that I have really enjoyed watching and covering um, from the ESPN side of things as well not be what it once was. So we'll see how things ultimately shake out. I feel like in the next five years, college football is going to be unrecognizable. By the way, I think it was Stamble's article. I was just scrolling through it right now. He even listed the, the programs that I mentioned, you know, so yeah. Fresno state, UNLV, all these others. Yeah. Uh, Fresno state one that I think would make sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, all of those, I mean, and if you were taking in a program like UNLV, that's more on growth and what it can be uh, Colorado state also named Boise state as well. Um, remember too, when we have these conversations, I think a lot of people forget, like, you'd be like, of course, Boise State. Eh, but remember, we're talking about markets now mm-hmm. and TV ratings, and all of those things that matters. Boise State's not a massive market. Yeah, you, you, you want spots that are going to have some growth and some potential in terms of what the market will be. I don't think Boise State's not unattractive, but I don't think it's as high on the list as mm-hmm. people would think. Well, let's go national, national when it comes to the college football playoff and some of the contenders when it comes to this year. 
The Georgia Bulldogs are the favorite to three-peat as national champions, have the highest win total of any team in college football at 11.5. When it comes to the way that programs are being bet, though, at least at, at BetMGM and some of the insights that we have access to, they're not a team that's being played. You know, I mean, they're a short shot. Mm-hmm. You're trying to open up your options here, see what else could be. The USC Trojans have the highest ticket number. 14.6% of tickets coming in are back in Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams to go to the promised land in 2023. Yeah, I mean, they should be, uh, at least in terms of the way it is set up for them. I think the conference, though, is going to present some problems, right? I mean, you look at how good the other teams can be there that could really kind of put a you know massive hole in your resume, like Washington and, or in, by the way, Utah. How many conferences now? Championships have they back won in a row? Back, right. Yeah. Like, like there's still some quality programs that could really derail this season for USC because I think just given what we have seen right overall, you're probably going to have to go relatively blemish-free throughout your entire schedule to get there. And if you're running into some of these, like I think that's going to be a little bit of a problem for them. So I get it. I think the potential is there for them, especially offensively. But I think overall, this schedule does present some challenges, and the conference overall presents some challenges when you're talking about your ability to get through it unscathed when you do have to end up playing. You get them at home, but you do get Washington, you do get Utah, and then, of course, you do have to go to Oregon on, what, November 11th. Yeah, for those odds to make the college football playoff, um, excuse me, USC plus 225, Georgia odds on minus 250. It's crazy. So Michigan at Even Money, they're a team that – I know so many people have kind of selected after getting as far as they did last year to maybe make a run for a national championship in 2023. Ohio State always granted going to get a lot of love as well. What do you think about Penn State? Because the they're getting 8.3% of tickets coming in on them to make the playoff this year. I think this could be the best team James Franklin's had since they last won the Big Ten yep. championship. I mean, that's that's of these teams that I'm looking at kind of in the bunch. And from a value standpoint, I can't see plus 450 is what the, the number is on our odds board for them to make the playoff. That's a bet I, I probably prefer of this bunch of the top 10 odds teams right now. Yeah, it, I would agree. I, th- I would agree, too, with the sentiment that this might be Franklin's best team. Uh, when you talk about it from a schedule standpoint, too, I, th- I think the problem is that their schedule is brutal, right? When you're talking about you do have to play Ohio State on the road. You do get Michigan. You do get some upstart programs as well. Have to go on the road against Illinois. We've known in the past that that's going to be a tough spot for them. Uh, you do play host to Iowa, which I think is going to be pretty solid this year too. And maybe with a thought that they actually have to, you know, up the ante on offense for this offense coordinator to keep their job. Like maybe there's going to be some improvement offensively from Iowa. That's the thing that would hold me back. I think Penn State's going to be really good, but the schedule presents so many challenges when you get into yeah. conference play. That I like, can you count on them to get through that with just pretty much one loss? I so I've gone back and forth on it, and I think sometimes you have to take a little bit of a shot, right? You have to have a belief that other people maybe don't have, and I do at least in this offense. Like, I genuinely think that their quarterback, Drew Aller, is like a rising star in college football, and with Michigan and Ohio State, I just don't think that they're that far behind them. I think everybody kind of looks at the Big Ten and thinks it's these two teams and then a little bit of everybody else, and I don't really see it that way. I would agree with that, especially I think Ohio State is a little bit more flawed than generally we think about them. I I actually really think a lot of Michigan coming in this year, I think they're going to be very, very good. But to your point, the at the very least, if you believe that this is going to be the case, 
it's you have to go to Ohio State if we're talking about you know the, of the yeah that's the tough teams. one they get Michigan at home no that's what I'm saying yeah. so if you believe that Michigan's a better team like I do and that Ohio State is a little bit more flawed at the very least you'd rather have to go to Ohio State and then play host to Michigan as opposed mm-hmm. to the other way around so that's like the silver lining there no I would agree with you my my problem is just to ask a team to go through the schedule pretty much have you only have to have one loss and win the conference championship and then on top of that like that at plus four fifty I would just want more given okay. the path that they have to take it's, yeah that's fair. What about Notre Dame? Most of the money has come in on Notre Dame to be a playoff team this year. Biggest liability at BetMGM. I am I am excited for what Notre Dame is going to be. The Sam Hartman experience. Yes, Hartman is going to be interesting. I think he's going to fit. I think I do have questions about whether or not Marcus Freeman does add wins at the margin as a head coach and if that's going to hold them back at any point uh, during their season. You know what I mean? And I think that's probably something – that might get them. And I also think when you look at the path that they would have to take and the teams that they would have to get through, they have Ohio State, USC, Louisville, Clemson all on your schedule. You have to go on the road to Clemson. That's going to be hard for them. As we close out the show after this break, we'll get JVT's at least selection right now as to maybe his top two teams you think could play for a national championship Ooh. next year, as well as talk all things Heisman. Don't go anywhere. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Any trip. Remember, you can also convert BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located right here on the Las Vegas Strip or nationwide. 
Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification. Eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're wrapping things up on the Lombardi line live from downtown Las Vegas. Circa Resort and Casino. JVT and Stormy Bon and Tony with you. And uh, before we close things out with some college football. It is time for our pro oh, tip of the hour. They wanted the scoreboard update. Angels up one nothing, by the way. Boom, baby. There you go. Uh, pro tips available at vcin.com, searchable by sport and by show every single day. But this one had to do with win totals, JBT. Yes. Uh, so usually, and this is pretty much in every market, but the highest and lowest win totals tend to be really extreme. So, of course, NFL, college football. Uh, I would lean a little bit more toward the NFL. We'll get into that in a second. But try not to buy too much into those narratives that, that tie into those. And up. I'll give an example. You know, when you see any sort of projection as opposed to win totals, projections for a season tend to be very, we've called them scrunched. You know, the, the, the worst team is much closer to the highest team. And in win totals, those tend to be really spread out because you have to factor in action, all those sort of things. So the team that is at the top power rating-wise is always going to generate a little bit more action to their over. Team at the bottom power rating-wise is always going to generate action to the under. So those are going to get shaded a little bit heavier. But when you look at certain things like, so for example, and this gonna, might end up being wrong probably, but you know the uh, A's, for example, fan graph projections, Pakota projections, had them from like 55 to 60 wins, you know what I mean, before the season began. Projections tend to scrunch things a little bit more because that's generally how things really work out. How about in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Lowest win totals on the board, the three teams that went over their win totals first, Stormy, Indiana Pacers, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Utah Jazz, right? All teams that had bottom win totals in the NBA season ago. So it's just... Those tend to be really baked into it, right? Everything we're talking about. So just, you know, if you think the Cardinals are going to be the worst team, try different ways to, to play into that. But generally, the worst teams are a little bit better than you think, and the best teams are a little bit worse than you think. Yeah, pro tips, free daily betting advice available at any time on vcin.com. And let's make that shift now to full college football mode. We were talking before the break about some teams and their potential to make the college football playoff. We saw the Georgia Bulldogs minus 250 mm-hmm. number just to make the playoff. They're plus 215 to win a national championship for the third straight year. But I think there are some teams that create potential intrigue when it comes to this season for a playoff spot for a national title, potentially any of these teams stand out to you um, as we kind of go down the board here. Georgia, like I said, plus 215. Alabama, 6-1. to one, Ohio State, plus 650. Michigan, 8-1. to one. So those are your usual suspects. Then you move into LSU, 11-1. The USC Trojans, 16-1. Clemson, 18-1. Florida State, same number. Uh, Texas, Penn State, now, These Notre are Dame. odds. These are odds to win the national championship, right? Correct. Not to make the playoff. Okay. Yes. So I'm like any yeah. any of these teams that you think could make a run for a national title. Um, Clemson is at the top of the list for me. Look, so Kate Klubnick is going to take over as quarterback. They the big thing for me is not Klubnick though. It's that they changed their offensive staff. Their their offensive play calling over the last couple of seasons it was getting progressively worse. That's why I also think DJ Uyangale could actually be kind of good going over to Oregon State, right? Because it's generally better play calling. And that's why I think Klubnik can actually be very good as well. Not only because a lot of people thought he was going to be very good, Stormy, but also because if you're going to actually revamp your play calling system, you have almost everything back on offense. A, an intact offensive line, a running back room that is absolutely loaded, and a highly touted prospect at quarterback. You have a defense that brings back seven guys. I think all of that with a like a revamped offensive play calling system, 
I think there's, you know, what did Michael Jordan say? The ceiling is the roof uh, for Clemson. And you look at the schedule, too. I mean, look, you have to play host to Florida State, and you do have to go to Miami. But outside of that, and you will we'll throw in home games against Notre Dame and North Carolina there, too, right? But this is not an overly daunting schedule for Clemson if they're going to be as good as I expect them to be. And to get your biggest opponent, you'll say, right, you know, the one, the roadblock potentially, at home in Florida mm-hmm. State, that's going to be a benefit you, too. But I'm just kind of – it's one of those – Outside of what we just mentioned, the narrative aspect of it is nobody's really talking about it, right? Like Clemson is, we're talking about ACC, we're talking about Florida State, we're talking about LSU being a dark horse to get into the playoff. We're talking, you know, but Clemson's just sitting there and going, well, we've got the pedigree. We've got a coach who's brought us there multiple times. We've got a highly touted quarterback and a vast majority of production from last year back and changes in key positions. I think this is going to be pretty good for him. So I think Clemson, especially if you're telling me around 20 to one, like I I don't think that's anything to sneeze at there. I think Clemson is going to be very good this year. And like you said, getting that week four game against Florida state at home, like this is a Clemson team that has only lost one game in death Valley in over two years. You know, they have, Mm-hmm. been so solid at home for a time, had the longest active home win streak in all of college football. So just keep that in mind. That that week four games will be really interesting from two sides because Florida State also has LSU in the opener. Right. Like they could be, depending on how things shake out, like that could be a really, really big game. Oh, they could be staring at a yeah. like, second loss potentially. And then, of course, everybody's dark horse is pretty much knocked out mm-hmm. uh, after that's going to be the case. And, and look at the way it breaks down as well for Clemson just really quickly too. Heading into that game, you're going to be prohibitive favorites against Florida Atlantic. Now, Herman and the Owls are going to be pretty solid, I think, once you get into conference play. But don't think you're going to have enough to stack up there with Clemson. So maybe you can get that thing out of the way, you know, brush Florida Atlantic aside and get some extra time to get rested and ready. And the fact that it's at the beginning of the year, where hopefully you're not dealing with any real injuries at that point of the season, it also benefits both teams in that regard, too. But I think Clemson has a really clear path here. And I think when you're telling me near 20 to 1 to win a national championship with a real path to the playoff, I think that's something that's very much worth looking at for Clemson. So let's go to Heisman Trophy now because we know that there can be a little bit of correlation when it comes to teams having success and then your quarterback more than likely. 17 of the last 21 Heisman winners have been quarterbacks. We know we've had Devontae Smith in recent history, uh, Derek Henry even in mm-hmm. recent history. Some of those names have popped up as non-quarterback position players, but... Is there another team maybe that you're like, okay, I foresee this team having a very successful year. Therefore, I want to put that toward maybe a better number in the Heisman odds versus the team specifically because it is so high level at the top. Caleb Williams is, of course, the favorite coming out of USC, but I I want to say it's the 70s, the only time that there has ever been a repeat Heisman Trophy winner. So I think think two, if we're talking about like triple-digit long shots that I think have some oomph to them. Uh, you and I both talked about it. I'll give um, Adam Burke credit because I was reading uh, some of the stuff behind the scenes. Our college football betting guide's coming out now. Make sure you check that out. And uh, one of the things that he had mentioned in one of his write-ups, uh, Tanner Mordecai, I think, is going to be yeah. a pretty interesting shot there. You're talking about triple digits, about 100 to 120 to 1. Uh, of course, He lit the, it up at SMU. Lit so. it up at SMU. is, and, and here's the best part is now goes to Wisconsin. They are low-key a glamour program. So if there is success and he is driving that, and think about the narrative, too. The quarterback has been such a, like, just a mishmash of nonsense for Wisconsin for such a very long time. And if all of a sudden Wisconsin is going to be very good and efficient offense led by a quarterback that they've waited for for a really long time, Mordecai could be a guy who really does enough to win a Heisman. And he's, and again, and he's going to be in a position on a team that would get enough support in the media because that's very important to actually win the award. So I think Mordecai is going to be up there. Again, if we're talking about long shots, like triple digits to, to, to look at. And I'll give you one. 
um, a little bit off because I do think that, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about this team potentially being good. They have a very challenging schedule, but when you have a, all 11 starters coming back on offense, it's really going to help with the continuity and maybe big numbers. But Tyler Shuck is 125 to one Texas tech have a football or Texas tech football, Texas tech quarterback. A lot of people think with as many guys as they have coming back 11 on offense. And of course, seven or six coming back on defense that we're talking dark horse in a big 12 and a team that can make a lot of noise. I know a, a few of them, a few media pundits have referred to them as dark horse to make it to the college yeah. football playoff. And if that's the case, and of course, Shuck has everything coming back this year that's set up for success for him to go out there. Again, the schedule is really tough, but you know, you're still win. Like you still lose like three games or so. And you put up the good numbers. Texas tech is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I, I think Shuck's going to be a pretty interesting candidate at about 125 to one. A few players who are getting bet. Jaden Daniels, his number's gone down from 16 to 1, 9 to 1. LSU, a, a trendy team this year for sure. JJ McCarthy, 25 to 1, down to 18 to 1. That surprised me a little bit just because, yes, we all expect Michigan to have success, but I'm not sure he'll have the numbers to get there. He's a very accurate quarterback, completions upward of 65%. But it's 2,719 year, 19 yards, 22 touchdowns last year compared to Caleb Williams, who won it over 4,542 touchdowns. Just a, a drastic number. Marvin Harrison Jr. getting some love out of Ohio State as well. Nine and a half percent of the ticket count at BetMGM coming in on him. Folks think Texas is back. Maybe Quinn Ewers. I like Michael Penix Jr. Mm -hmm. a shorter number there at 16 to 1. But he's going to have that opportunity to go head-to-head -head with Caleb Williams in one of those late-season games. He started gaining some traction last year, November, December. I think maybe he could pick up offensively. I really like Washington and Kalen DeBoer this year. Mm -hmm. Drake May, another guy that everyone's yeah. talking about, is a highly touted player out of North Carolina. They have a new offensive coordinator this year. What could happen there? Um, a lot of a lot of interesting players. I wish I had a long shot I really, really liked, but maybe Tanner Mordecai. I might I might tell you on that oh, one, 125 right. to 1. Or Mordecai or Shuck, let's do it. We've had some long Led shots win the Heisman, at least preseason long shots. Great stuff, as always. Um, that's a wrap for us today on the Lombardi line. If you want more of me, though, later, Slam Ball, ESPN2, 7 p.m., don't miss it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.